0: This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.
1: Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you
2: can
0: get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
3: Warning, the following programme contains very strong language, adult humour and stories which may not be appropriate to younger listeners throughout. The opinions expressed in this programme are those of the individuals and not those of Mansfield Matters or any of the organisations connected to the Mansfield Matters branded projects. Hello and welcome to the Mansfield Matters Podcast, the show for the fans, by the fans. Well, the season may well have ended, and another one in League 2 it is. But we are here, uh, every single week, taking you on a trip down memory lane, recalling some of the stories from players, past players, and past managers. The Mansfield Matters Podcast crew are with me as well, although this week, we've finally done it, we've finally got rid of Cam. Hard work. Um, Cam is not with us this week, so we've replaced him with a much older and a much... And then I never thought I'd say this about Cam, Uglier Model, uh, in Ooh. my dad Chris, who seems to be trying to get on the, uh, the camera by putting his thumb in front of it, don't <laughs> worry we'll edit it uh, out with the other camera, it's fine. <laughs> uh, Joining us this week for a trip down memory lane is a player who broke through the Stags' YTS scheme in the late 90s and then left Just after that horrible playoff final in 2004 and then went on to Barnsley to have an established career over 10 years and now is uh, the the head of the academy at Oakwell and doing very well for himself as well. We'll introduce him in a second but as always let's have a little chat to Simon and to to Nathan, the Mansfield Matters uh, podcast panelist. Nathan, last week with Ian Bowling, it was sort of the start of when you were starting to go in but obviously Bobby would have seen a lot, lot more of and sort of know a little bit more about his style of play and I know for a fact you've been excited about that
4: this morning, haven't you? I have, yeah. I mean, uh, we, like I said, we spoke before uh, Ian came last week, and it was, like you say, just before, but um, there's this there's era when I got involved, which is sort of, for me, still the best Mansfield Town team that I've ever seen in my uh, 20 years of sort of watching the Stags. And, uh, he, you know, Bobby, he, if I was going to put down my top 11, he would be uh, he'd be straight on that list in a right back. So, um, like I say, it was definitely in my area of when I you know, was absolutely loving the Stags still am but different era <laughs> and, um, and so yeah I've very much been looking forward to tonight
3: and uh, Simon obviously what about yourself obviously you know you would have seen uh, many a right back over the year but uh, Bobby certainly wasn't I'm, that not, that yeah, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm
2: not that old I'm not that old
3: no no I think Bobby was one of the
2: best right backs we've had to be honest so yeah um, I remember him very well especially
3: against the goal against Hull City I remember that one No, yeah, we we'll certainly look forward to hearing all about that one as well and uh, Obviously tonight is a little bit louder than what you watched last week. That's because here at the Capo Lounge, the fabulous Capo Lounge. Uh, here in Mansfield They do fantastic stuff for, for community groups And things like that They've got a games night On tonight A board games night They're expecting About 10 people They've got about 40, 50 So it's it's packed tonight. Personally I think It's because we said That Bobby was coming Down here tonight So they all wanted To have a little glimpse <laughs> At Bobby Bobby <laughs> Welcome to the Mansfield Matters Podcast Thank you very much For getting involved no problem, this, is for your, me. this is your First time back in Mansfield for Quite a, a
5: long time Isn't it? Yeah a number of years uh, In terms of town I've still got a house here So I was down here Two weeks ago So now out uh, from a tenant in there that's wrecked the place but um, (laughs) first time in a town centre you're trying
3: to say there's a house to rent on the market (laughs) I am selling it now (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's a fantastic place what are your immediate memories of Mansfield then because obviously people will associate you for obviously the 10 years at Barnsley and everything that you did there obviously the testimony you had a couple of years ago was against Mansfield you made your breakthrough at Mansfield what are your immediate memories of uh, playing for Mansfield Town Football Club
5: (laughs) Well, my last memory is obviously losing in the playoff final, uh, which is not a great memory, but over my time at Mansfield, you know, fantastic memories. Uh, It's where I learnt football. Uh, I had a great two years here in YTS scheme as it was called back then, Um, and I I ended up living here for a number of years. I didn't leave here until I was 30 years old, Uh, so I met my wife here, had my family here. Uh, so, just great memories of the town and obviously great memories of the football club.
3: Fantastic, you've still sort of got a hand in it by having the, the house, although you're going to be getting rid of that in the coming weeks or Yeah, that'll or whatever, be gone soon, yeah. It's always good <laughs> fun. Obviously, you mentioned the YTS scheme there. You came through that with uh, a good number of uh, players who went on to great things as well. Liam Lawrence, Craig Disley had a decent career, Lee Williamson as well. There were a lot of uh, good players in there. What are your memories of that group? It must have been a lively bunch.
5: Uh, Yes, it was uh, a group full of winners. They're totally different to today's generation. Obviously, being in a a modern-day academy, uh, the character of players are totally different. Uh, Probably society has uh, a great deal to do with that. Um, Our youth team, and the youth team that was just below us, was, I I doubt, a league two club that produced so many good players that to go on to play in the Championship and Premier League uh, if i had gone back to 19, what was it, 1996, 1997, 98, I would never have foreseen so many players going on and having such a long career. We all played 500, 600, 700 games.
3: What do you think the secret to that success was then? Because. As you mentioned, you know, so many good players who went on to play at, at, at the top level you very rarely get that academy now, you perhaps get one or two that go on and do relatively well, but what was the
5: secret to that success? Just the character, the, the players really and the individuals uh, we had Steve Park in there, he was a very good coach uh, created great character in us and winning mentality and, and obviously then Billy Dearden was the, the father figure to everyone when he, he took over and gave everyone a chance and debuts.
3: And what's your memories of Billy then because obviously I think different, play- different, different players don't they sort of have different relationships with managers Ian Bowling when he was sat in that chair last, last time around yeah. wasn't so fond of him because obviously he was the manager who made him depart and brought in yeah. Kev Pilkington yeah. but obviously he brought the likes of yourself Liam, Craig all of those through so as you say almost like a father figure
5: Yeah I think he came in with an emphasis of playing youth uh, and getting rid of some of the older players uh, which he did um, obviously brought in some older players with Les Robinson who again became the father figure of the dressing room uh, but Billy was yeah, was a great character, I still see him regularly now uh, scouting uh, it's not changed one bit um, it just gave everyone a chance and as I said he was a father figure, totally different to Steve Parkin uh, they both had different strengths and weaknesses but he was great for us
3: and obviously now you're in an academy role, sort of involved with, with Barnes' Academy. Is a lot of perhaps did and star sort of in, in the way you go about your business as well? Have you
5: learnt something on that side of things? Yeah, in terms of dealing with uh, young individuals, yeah. Um, I think today you, you certainly have to be a father figure instead of Steve Park who was more military uh, and autocratic in the way he did things. But it worked for me. Uh, it created it was kind of institutionalised, is what we became, and very professional through what Steve taught us. Whereas Billy was totally different; he trusted his players. Uh, and, uh,
3: and obviously, you know, you achieve promotions and things like yeah. that. I think you had in your time. Let me just see if I can get this right off the top of my head: two playoff heartaches, hmm. a promotion, and a relegation. Is that about right?
5: Yes. Um, certainly, the relegation. I was injured all season, so didn't really feel part of. Uh, a relegation in terms of, as he was as a player. I came back I think for the last ten games, uh, and we ended up winning quite a few of them. A the lot likes to myself and Leo Lawrence missed a large chunk of that season, uh, and a couple of other lads. I think if we'd have been fit, we wouldn't have got relegated uh, that season.
3: Now, and Nathan, you both sort of watched that season a little bit more closely than what uh, I did. I started going. Every single game, the season after that, perhaps some will say I jumped on the bandwagon. I'll just say I was let out to play. Um, do you agree with what Bobby said there? If you think, you know, if Bobby himself would have been fit, if sort of Liam hadn't been injured, do you think we might have stood more of a, a fighting chance? I think so. Yeah. I mean, at the time in our
2: league, I don't think there was a better right back and a better winger than Bobby and Liam. You, you seem to complement each other on the pitch. Yeah. Where, you know. Liam would get the ball and you would bomb on like, for the ball down the wing and you don't see that now it's always pass forward and then like the right back stay back and we've never really emulated like, the right wing and the right back since then to be honest
4: I, I think my, the one thing I remember a lot about that season it's the one my dad always says as well about that relegation season is the character of the players I mean you've already mentioned about the character and the thing is I think if we had everybody fit we had those players in, in that team who wanted to play for the shirt and the reason why even though we got relegated it wasn't it didn't feel like it's such a bad season because a lot of the games we came off and the players got a of innovation because they you knew that they put 100% into it so you just you just feel that if we had um, that little bit of luck with injuries and things like that so the likes of uh, Bobby and, and Liam and and a couple of others if they were fit so we added that quality to to that fight that fight that we already had I, you know I, I really do believe that we would have stayed up that season but you know i think um, like Bob like, uh, bob's already said the character in the camp anyway the cost of those young players coming through which i hope to see with stags now in the and in, in the future um, i think that, that that sticks a lot in the, the Stag fans' memories. Mm. I think we've sort of on that part. I don't know how much
3: you sort of keep an eye on things at, at the One Court Stadium Bobby nowadays, yeah. but John Dempster, an ex-defender sort of like yourself, he's now the Academy manager. We've won, or the under eight teams manager, whichever you want to call it, yeah. three league titles in consecutive seasons seems to be going well. We do seem like we're getting that bond, but how important is it that a first team manager worked closer with the youth team because you mentioned Billy Dearden a lot and that he was very keen to sort of bleed the youngsters whereas other managers perhaps aren't yeah. so so how much work has, has David Flitcroft got to do to perhaps sort of see you know a very similar story to back when you were in the youth team to, to develop sort of homegrown yeah, yeah.
5: players it depends what the remit is at the club and what model they use at Barnsley, we use that um, very successful academy promoting the youth Uh, The likes of John Stones came through and now England internationals, Uh, so it's vastly important. As you've just said there, Mansfield have won the league I think the last three years, so it tells you we've got good players. But it's no good at winning the league if none of these lads are getting in the first team and getting champs and even training with them. Um, my understanding is that uh, David Flickcroft, has started, which I know he already did it at Barnsley, we start introducing some of these young lads into training and getting them in that environment, and then ultimately getting them on the first team pitch.
3: Yeah, I think it's going to be quite interesting tonight. We'll obviously talk a little bit more about your relationship with David and your previous working history. Yeah. And get a players perspective of that sort of later on in the show but it's interesting to see that already we've seen from the outside he started bringing one or two into the training fold and that sort of thing and you mentioned that he's done it at previous clubs so there is a bit of something there and just hearing that maybe think you know we might be on to something in the future with that
2: Yeah I think it's good that he's getting players in through the youth team because I always think that it means more to the younger ones to to put on the shirt I mean Bobby's come from the youth team and things like that, and I assume that when you put the shirt on, you you know it, it meant something to be in the first team. for yeah, him, yeah, you, you know because you're actually playing for the club that brought you on, yeah. sort of thing. So it, it's good that to get youngsters in from around Mansfield and get into the first team because it means more than getting somebody in from. Northampton and you know there's a here just uh, to play for Mansfield whereas hmm, about, uh, a young lad at 18 to score a goal for Mansfield and get involved
3: it's always great to have the homegrown talent coming through as well let's take you back Bobby to those early days you've just sort of come through the, the, the YTS we're going to ask you about pre-season and trainer sizes later on all will become clear don't worry you're looking <laughs> you a bit panicked um, <laughs> these are laughing because they know what's coming um, thank you, so and Bowling like. for this one Um <laughs> What happened then? Why did you make the transition from the youth team to the first team? What can you remember about that, uh, the meetings and the transition? Well,
5: um, it wasn't a planned transition, put it that way. I've, I came. I struggled when I first came in terms of fitness. Uh, I'd not been in an academy system. I'd been in Sunday league football, really. Um, so coming straight into that environment. And the intensity of training was a wake-up call for me. probably took me three or four months to get really into it. Uh, but I was straight into the first team then, in terms of playing. Uh, I was still struggling with fitness, uh, but my ability was probably enhanced at uh, my peers at the time and basically got chucked in at the deep end because everyone was injured. So instead of going out to get loans, they, they put me in the game. I think it was Knott's Forest, was a, uh, I forget what cup it was called back then. Um, I think we got beat 5-2. Me and Nicky Weaver played. He ended up getting a move after that game. He played that well. And that was my, my, my debut, really, in the first team against two international forwards. Pierre Van Oydonk and Brian Roy played up front so it was a great experience
3: When you saw the seam sheet did you have a little look down and think oh here we go (laughs) Well
5: Steve Parkin played the reserves as as such and then a couple of youngsters he he expected Forrest to play their reserves they played their full team
4: (laughs) (laughs) Was there a few choice words
3: from Steve Parkin when he saw what they put out? Not
5: really no No. (laughs) (laughs) Just go and enjoy enjoy it We'll give a Good account. Of ourselves. I think we lost five two in the end, something like that. But we gave a good account of ourselves against such a an international and you a, team. You
3: mentioned about sort of going down that route of when you come through you might play one or two games then go out on loan to get a bit more experience but as you mentioned it was the deep end what would you have preferred would you have preferred a month out on loan to sort of find your feet or did you prefer swimming in the
5: deep end it didn't happen back then that kind of method uh, you call it succession planning now to do it with kids it it didn't happen back then you never went out on loan you just played in the first team or you played in the reserves reserve football was probably the way you got experience. Uh, you were playing on a Tuesday night under the floodlights, playing with senior players, uh, probably mixed between four or five U team players. But now, obviously, they send you out on loan uh, to non-league or at our level, we'd send them to League Two. There wasn't that planning back then. We were just chucked straight in.
3: Which sort of players did you sort of look to for a little bit of help in, in match situations to sort of talk you through it and sort of make you feel a little bit more comfortable?
5: I had Stuart Watkins at the time, who became the manager. And I'm still really close to him now. Uh, and then Les Robertson took that role as a senior player. And these were real solid pros. You don't have them anymore. Uh, there's no, not that kind of player anymore That will take his time out to mentor the young, young players um, So I was fortunate having Les Robinson and Stuart Watkins as mentors
3: and you even linked back up with Stuart didn't you uh, A year or so ago when you went over to India Tell yeah. us about how that sort of came about Obviously you'd hung the boots up at Barnsley yeah. Those days were done, what happened?
5: Well i turned down that move uh, a couple of months before I didn't, you know was The last thing I was going to do was go to India and leave family uh, and then it came up again through a link to get uh, the manager's job, which I put Stuart forward. He got the job and then asked me to go out as an assistant manager. Uh, again, I wasn't really looking to go. I went to Bradford. I was ready to sign for them. Uh, they were messing about. Uh, they were struggling for money at the time and not signing players. So I ended up just taking the bold move, really, for the experience more than anything. I was coming to the end of my career. There was a chance to coach. A chance to sample something different. It was only six months with knowing I could get back every six weeks, so that's how it came about.
3: Fantastic. What what was that like then, going over there and sort of that experience? Are you glad you did it? Or yeah, brilliant.
5: Yeah, it was a real culture shock going over. Uh, Obviously, seeing the amount of poverty that was over there, the travelling that uh, occurred going from game to game, and just it was. It was like starting back at Mansfield, if I'm honest. Uh, Training on on rubbish pitches when we first got to Mansfield. I mean, to put our kit ourselves, do everything ourselves, it took me back to when I was 15, 16. Um, She's gone back to how I was We still, And we enjoyed it. It was a great six months. It was tough work. You know, it was hot Uh, (laughs) being away from home. Uh, But I really enjoyed it. I will not change it now.
3: And you've got obviously a young family as well, so is that a, a big part of sort of coming back when you did and sort of settling down and going down the academy route? Yeah, when I
5: came back, um, I, I could have continued playing at League 2 I had a few offers to go and, and conference, but I was uh, really close to the old owner who's, who sadly just passed away at, at Barnsley and he asked me to come back. Um, he didn't tell me which role he wanted at the time, he just asked me to come back. So I said, yeah, great. took about two months really to come up with a role, uh, the manager was under pressure at the time at Barnsley and initially just wanted me to come and help whoever was going to take over, it was lacking bottom at the time, would have took over if the manager would have left, uh, fortunately uh, for the club Lee Johnson went on 110 on the bounce and got his move, he was another great guy so I was really pleased for him, that's how it came about. Um, I thought, you know, do I prolong the career just for a year or get in or start this side of the white line as they say and I took that and it's worked out.
3: Now is your job title now Academy Manager or Bookie's favourite for the manager's job every time there's a managerial change? You yeah, seem to be up there
5: every time. I, 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 yeah it always happens. Even now I think I get messages now, I had loads today, day, my phone's not stopped. Are you going to take the job, or well, I've never even applied, or even wanted the job, and yeah. they've not offered it? Has been offered to me in the past uh, by Patrick. It was more on an interim basis to start with, but I certainly ain't in for it this time. No, um, I don't know where the bookies get it from. I don't know how it works. Uh, probably because of my history at the club. Mm. And being an academy manager, uh, people just chuck, chuck your name out there.
3: Two and two together and often get about five or six, don't they, Nick? It's, right, uh, yeah. it's always an interesting one, that one. From your perspective, Nick, obviously, we talked to, to Bobby and obviously two playoff partakes, a promotion and a relegation. Talk about a roller, roller coaster. What are your sort of key memories of Bobby? Do you think he maybe should have? Uh, took the ball off Liam Lawrence when he tried to chip it at, at Cardiff and
4: got <laughs> one in the chute well, that, that might take it someone should at least have a word in his ear and so say don't do anything stupid but <laughs> did anyone have a word with him after that <laughs> no not really he's still a legend
5: he's yeah. actually uh, he scored 22 goals actually yeah, yeah, I, I've got a thing it was about 14 penalties and he'd not missed one yeah. it was a surprise he did I know i was speaking to him after he was going to go in the corner and the keeper had gone early so he changed his mind last second. Oh, so, um, it was an instinctive thing. backfired. Never changed his mm-hmm. yeah.
3: mind. Obviously, you look back at those shootouts, uh, yeah. Five four victory against Northampton, and then the loss at, uh, at Cardiff against Huddersfield. Were you ever sort of on Curl's list
5: To take one or were you Uh, If I'm honest I can't remember I went on the five. I think I was always on the 6th one The first one uh, if it went to to that stage Uh, We should have won the game in 90 minutes Or 120 where it was I think we scored that day it was, Didn't we yeah, yeah. Crossed the line? Never crossed the line I watched <laughs> it back
3: earlier I didn't cross the line Trust me I mean
5: we should, as I said We should have won It was a strange game Going into it. I'd already signed for Barnsley Before I played that game but Liam had already signed For Sunderland Before he'd played that game um, so he was desperate to leave, you know, taking the club up again. Junior Mendes had already signed for Huddersfield before, which I wasn't happy about because obviously played it. We were playing against him, and we getting beat on penalties. Yeah. And he'd come off injured. Injured or well, he injured. wasn't injured. No, yeah, that's my opinion. He was yeah. all out right on the bus on the way home, so perhaps shouldn't have played in that game. Uh, but we still, we still should have won the game.
3: How difficult was that situation for Keith Curl and as manager because he would have known that you know, Liam would go to Stoke, he would go to Barnsley and especially the Mendes situation with going to Huddersfield and having signed before the game. Yeah. How much of a difficult situation did that put him in as a manager in your opinion? Well he wouldn't have
5: known about it. You don't think he would uh, have? Known? No, no. It was his fault. Not, the reality is none as what was play for him. I was one of them. I didn't want to stay while He was manager. Uh, so we were, we, were already, we were already decided to leave. It offered all, us all less money even if we got promoted. So the, the time was right to leave. I'd played nearly 200 games. I needed to progress a mid I'd already turned down two or three, well the club had turned down two and three offers for me uh, from high division clubs. And they thought they could get money for me, not realising I was actually 24 when my contract went out. So I was a free. So they made a host of mistakes with us lot.
3: And I think if you look back at that as well I think that's one of the sort of nails that were in Haslam's coffin as well because what were your sort of thoughts when I mean I never knew that Bobby and Liam and Junior had signed for the club before that final because you never realise do? you know, always think it's after I didn't know that
2: Bobby and Liam had signed for Sunderland and the Barnsley I knew that Junior had signed for Huddersfield and that was kind of a bit of a thing in the crowd at the time <coughs> I you know you always seem to think, well, is Junior actually going to perform because it don't matter to him because, you know, he, if Huddersfield win, Well, benefit
4: it benefits him more, off, wouldn't it? Anyway, it, so. it yeah. it's a bad, that's a terrible thing. I mean, like I say, if the manager wasn't aware, then that's obviously a problem. But if he was aware, he should not have even been in that squad. No, he shouldn't. No, I agree. May me and you often talk very positively and highly about Keith Kirby Well. <laughs> I was just about to say Can I just take back my comments from the podcast a few weeks ago Where I said I want them as manager I've changed my mind <laughs> uh, maybe not anymore <laughs> but, uh, what, what does it go through your mind when you hear stories like that About you know less money for key
3: players Who've come through the system The club not realising that they're going to lose out on money And potential windfalls for them Imagine how different things could have been if we would have commanded a fee for the
4: likes of Bobby, the likes of Liam. Yeah, uh, but then, to be honest, in the end day, it probably just got into uh, Keith Hazlund's pocket. So it probably wouldn't really matter. At the end of the day, wouldn't have, we wouldn't have profited from it, would we? Really? So you know, I, in in some ways, I think the club took its course the way it needed to, just to get rid of the chairman. Because I don't think. I thought you know, even if we went up that season, I don't think we'd have stayed up there much longer. We'd have probably just come back down anyway. And um, we just—I think what happened in the end it happened because we needed, in a way, for our sake, because we probably wouldn't have a club now. So you can look at it in that way. So, but you know, if you look at the, running a football club, it's obviously you would think we get those sort of things done right, wouldn't you? So we we benefit from the likes of bringing these quality players through when they do do move on. So, it's a, you know, it's a good one. And obviously, the Haslam situation didn't make it any
3: easier. Ian Bowling is sat in that chair last week and telling us the story about when the senior players conned him in the carport, dragged him into the dressing room over things not getting paid and things like that. Did it go down a similar route when you were sort of coming into the first team in, in those... In those season, was he still withdrawing the wages and all those yeah. things? Did yeah, things settle? Uh,
5: yeah, no, there was. But as a kid, you don't even think of stuff like that because mm. you're not paying mortgages when you, you're in digs. So these things didn't affect me or the other lads coming through. It was more the senior players. You always know that things happening behind the scenes with the senior players. Uh, but obviously, Keith came in. Did he? Did he do a good job? I thought he got lucky that he, he fell on good people that recruited in good young players that went on and did really well for the club, got promoted. That year we got promoted, if they would invested some money I think would have actually kicked on uh, and they may have established himself as a League One and potentially getting into... Ch- they had a team there, a core young team that could have got in the Championship.
3: Yeah, let's touch upon that promotion winning season a little bit more. Obviously... It started off with Billy Dearden in charge and then left for, for Notts County. Yeah. What was the dressing room like when Billy left? Because it's a sim- very similar situation to ours this year in terms of Steve Evans leaving for Peterborough and then another manager coming in, although we brought him from outside rather than recruiting from within, which we all said we should have done. Mm-hmm. But what was it, what's it like as a player when a manager who comes in and has built a squad then decides to leave for a rival?
5: Uh, well with Billy most of us cried because we absolutely loved him as I said he was a fa- father figure we didn't see anything I think we'd played Leicester I'm sure it was Leicester we I lost it. Court. Yeah. 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 and he told us the, d- the day after and we were flying out to Portugal on the Monday uh, and he told us after the game it came as a real shock I mean Stuart taking over out because obviously he'd been the youth team manager to a lot of players so he was just taking us forward um, so it was a real shock wherever they went it didn't really matter to me and the players we were just gutted that we were losing someone that we would run through a brick wall for uh, I ain't so sure the, the modern day Mansfield players would, would cry when Steve Evans left they're probably joyful <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why have you ever come across <laughs>
3: Steve Evans in your career
5: I played against his teams probably once or twice in pre-season um, Obviously I know what he's like I've got a lot of mates that have played for him So I've heard a lot of stories about him And the way he works But one thing you can't argue He gets things promoted Yeah, it certainly does I mean,
3: I have to ask Because I think there'll be a lot of people screaming at me If I don't ask the question Without naming names Can you give us a bit of an insight Into what he was like as a manager From what other people within the game have said It's just very
5: intense uh, From what I'm told And obviously you see him on the sideline and that's probably how he is within the the dressing room with the players Um, one of my best friends in football played for him and uh, though they got promoted twice underneath him uh, I know they weren't very keen on him Um, being correct there I don't want to say too much on him but the one thing you can't deny is he gets teams promoted and I can understand why uh, managers go and appoint him if they want a quick fix in terms of getting teams promoted which he does and you can't argue with that. Uh, he does spend a lot of money, then getting teams promoted. But it, at the end of the day, he gets them promoted.
3: Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, I think we'd have all. when he, when he, he came did. in, we was a little bit like his character's got a little bit of history to it. But we've all said exactly the exact same as Bobby, didn't we? You know, he had promotions, and we would have killed, would have killed
4: for that. I what? You, go on. <laughs> I was going to say, like, let's not pretend as well. When he was here, ninety-five percent of the, the the fan base did actually love him because when he's on your team and he's getting them playing the way you want them to and showing his passion then you do love him but I think the way he abandoned us we, the way he did when we were so close he gave us that hope when we were so close to actually getting the promotion I think that's the bit where the bit of the character that people always questioned about him and the fact that he just was so easy just to get up and leave like that and leave us in a, in a mess that he did I think that's the problem and that's where the opposite fans tried to warn us really didn't they and yeah. I think that's just Steve Evans for you isn't it he's a bit selfish character in that sense but when he's on your team you sort of love him it's a
3: difficult one Bobby you played under four managers at the club if, I'm not, if I've done my maths right it's a oh, good name job Cam- him,
5: so I can remember
3: <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go backwards uh, Curl Watkiss did and, and then it would have been King Steve and Parking, and, Steve Parking Andy and Andy King, King. Yeah. fantastic so Obviously, I think we can pretty much guess who you would say is, is the one that you didn't get on with the most in terms of Keith Kerr. But he did get us up there and towards the playoffs. So what sort of? It must have started off all
5: right. What went wrong? Uh, well, like no, it started off terrible. It actually finished. Delegation, well, go- yeah. <laughs> No, he started off terrible with his relationship with players and I think because of that start it was very hard to then get that relationship back with him Uh, because trust is a big thing in football and the players didn't trust him uh, initially. and then it was very difficult to get that trust back. But it was still a good team. Was still, core was there. That got promoted the two seasons before. Still, young lads coming through together. So we 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 were used to each other by then. Uh, but Keith came in and wanted to throw the whip at it straight away. has you know, No, no. Keith, okay. you, so Keith would uh, you know, for example, when he first came and he said, "If anyone wants to come and leave." He was getting the right. Come and see me. Well, we all went straight to him, which backfired on him. And then he. Do had you to think
3: that was a sort of a bit of a move. So I'm the boss now. You know, you've had it. You've had your yeah, mate for Yeah, looking. knowing the football
5: or... as I do now, yeah. But when you're a kid, you don't understand that. You think it's personal. Yeah. yeah. And well, well, I'm fine. i we'll leave because we had many, lots of clubs after us. Uh, and then obviously we, we got relegated, and he had to change his tack the second year, which he did. To be fair to him, but by then I think my, people have made their minds up on him. Uh, so yeah, that's does how that, the relationship that, was with him.
3: Does that come from being a rookie manager and sort of perhaps not knowing how to approach it, or do you just think that's his, his general character? Because obviously he's well, gone sure, on, yeah, gone yeah, on yeah, from sure there.
5: Changed. I'm yeah. sure he's changed over the years, and he's just trying different things. He would have been probably spoken to like that by his managers, but a generation change. I can't speak to the kids how we used to be spoke to, spoken to. You do have to change to the generations that you're dealing with.
3: Yeah, it's certainly an important thing, especially at your level, when in terms of managing academies and things like that. Yeah. What falls under your job role? Then you are you directly involved with a team, or are you involved in? No, man- I'm not in directly overlooking...
5: involved. No, I don't coach an actual team, uh, so I just oversee all the departments of the academy from. That's from sports science recruitment, uh, the analytical stuff, all the way through to nines, all the way to 20 fleas. Do you ever look
3: back and think if there'd have been this much sort of emphasis on things like sports science and analytics and things like that back when you were a youth team you might have gone on to even played a little bit more higher than what you did I mean you achieved a fantastic level anyway but Um, everyone's dream is to push on a little bit higher isn't it
5: yeah possibly on the sports science definitely Uh, if I'd have been a little bit fitter a bit more professional as a younger age I may have gone higher quicker Um, but the analytical now some of the stuff I don't agree with anymore uh, but that we have to do I don't think we produce characters in players anymore because um, you can get chucked in front of the Premier League straight away on bullying, bullying allegations when you're telling someone just they've got to do the job and the standards required. So I've to be very careful now with safeguarding all sorts of different issues. Whereas back where, when I played, I think you have seen more men, more characters, than characters missing out of football now.
3: Well, you mentioned characters, so I think it's probably an apt time to, to ask about that. I mean, you look back at that squad... Um, 03 04, you look back at some of the ones even before that, you know, 01 02 when we achieved promotion, that sort of thing. Who were the live wires in the dressing room then? Who would always have a, a cheeky game or a cheeky sort of prank to
5: play? Who were the ones to watch out for? Uh, sure, Liam Lawrence uh, was, he was the prankster, probably of the dressing room. Uh, Junior Mendes um, and probably Les Robinson, yeah. Uh, Les Robinson was a sneaky one because you'd never guess he would do all this stuff and he was mainly the one that was setting all the pranks Wayne Corden was a great character Um, I would say everyone if I'm being honest in the dressing room would would be up to something Uh, not so much on the jokes it would be stuff that you couldn't get away with now Uh, you know DP and all that all all the old tales people don't do anything like that even cutting up clothes and you know Liam Lawrence brought a convertible and we ended up chucking mud in his, his car you wouldn't get away with stuff like that now but that was just a regular thing back then
3: what's the worst one you've had happen to you and then, uh, did you ever find out who it was and what were the
5: consequences uh, no I never found out no <laughs> I never found out I'm still no. looking cars were trashed don't know uh, and clothes caught again I've been hammered for my clothes all through career so I always used to get caught up. Okay. Um, never, never found out who it was, if I'm being honest.
4: Different health, we have got less. Uh, he's going
5: to be doing an interview as well, so if it helps, we'll question him and find out if he's done any of it. Yeah, well he will, he but knows. he won't tell you.
4: <laughs> 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 Maybe if we get him a few drinks from the bar
3: here at the Capital Lounge, you never know he might open up a little bit. Right. Um, obviously, just before we take you a, a quick break, um, you did return to the One core Stadium a couple of seasons back. I interviewed you at Pitchside. I remember doing that. Rhys Day's testimonial. Uh, yeah. What was it like coming back to Mansfield and um, playing on that pitch again? So, I might be wrong, and I probably am, I probably will be, and I'm sure somebody will correct me, but I'm 99.9% sure that you never actually played against Mansfield after you left in a competitive fixture. No,
5: never. See,
3: I knew I was right. <laughs> <No. laughs> end it
5: there. <laughs> no, never. I mean, that was obviously part of... Unfortunately, Mansfield never been able to get promoted again. And I was fortunate to get promoted, I think, after two years at Barnsley and stayed there in a championship then ten years after. So, no, never. So I really enjoyed going back. I still love going back now when I watch games. So I have been to quite a few games to watch plays. Uh, I've been to scout some of Mansfield players for Barnes' first team So in the last two years. So I do go to games regular, uh, but playing on the pitch, it was the first time i have been back. It was sad because we never got a chance to say bye, really, uh, a lot of the lads. And we'd had a great time there, eight years at the football club. Nearly 200 games, the same as Liam and Leroy and Diz, and you like to see Chrissie Greenacre. Um, so... It was it was sad not being able to say bye, and uh, that's why I had my testimonial against Man City. Yeah, I was going to ask to play against. I was
3: going them. to ask that. I was going to ask that. Obviously, it was a pre-season friendly a couple of yeah. pre-seasons ago. Um you obviously played, and I think you ended up scoring the winner from the penalty spot yeah, for yeah. the stakes fans. You had a great reception uh, yeah. there from both sets of uh, supporters, as you'd expect, as well. But is that the one lingering regret that you could never? there was never really a platform to say anything anyway because Twitter and things like that and Facebook weren't really around in 2004. Was that a lingering regret that you never got to explain why you left and sort of say your goodbyes to a club, which really, you know, is etched on your heart like Barnsley is?
5: Yeah, absolutely. When you're there so long, you do. As I think it's probably one of the best Mansfield uh, teams in probably history. The one that got promoted with so many young kids coming through the system as well. I don't think that'll ever be done again. So many youth team players playing in a promotion team. So, yeah, it was sad for all of us uh, to leave and not say goodbye to people and explain why we'd left
3: and we'll talk a little bit more about your testimonial and yeah. some of the more other players that you played in and things like that and a little bit about your career after Mansfield and talk about Barnes because this man here is not just a capable right back who played centre back quite a few times as well where did you prefer just quickly right back or centre back uh...
5: S- a centre back, preferred centre back. Yeah, if I think if I'd have been six one six two, I say I would probably played in the Premier League. That's yeah. that's what everyone managers told me. It was just height that stopped me progressing into the yeah. higher leagues. Certainly, I didn't have the pace, the top end pace to play in the Premier League at right back, but centre half, I'd I got away with it.
3: I think we were probably both a little, all a bit surprised by that because when in terms of Bobby's Mansfield time. Him and
4: Liam were a sort of an unstoppable force down the right hand side, weren't the name Yeah, exactly. That's what I was expecting you to say right back there, but, um, you know, I guess it's <laughs> cool. no, I enjoy hungry.
5: defending, uh, so even though I was able to get I was at Barnes in my first year I could bomb on but when you get in the, premier, uh, the championship and you're playing against good teams and good players we were on the back foot a lot so I had to defend different pace yeah I had to defend a hell of a lot different in the championship level. So
3: well not only did you defend you also had a very famous stint one game between the sticks we'll talk a little bit more yeah. about that later on uh, as well, if you've not seen it, go onto YouTube. It's fantastic. I watched it earlier on, and after that, I thought I was watching it at a pro goalkeeper. So we'll, we'll talk more about that uh, a little bit more. We'll also talk about your relationship with David Flickcroft, the current Manchester manager, and of course your ex boss and ex assistant boss at Barnsley as well. We'll talk about the future. And a lot, lots more to come as well. But this is the Mansfield Matters trip down memory lane. All this post season. We are obviously doing this for the Alzheimer's Society, raising money uh, for people who sadly live their life with dementia. One such person, the Mansfield town legend Kevin Bird. Let's have a look how your donations can help. When I found
1: out I had dementia, it was quite a bit of a shock because I expected it to be something that they could fix. There is a big stigma. I think there's a fear of how do I talk to that person? But I'm still me, I I can still hold a conversation, I can still recognise people. And even when I can't, I still want to be talked to the same. Alzheimer's Society have helped me massively. I went on a Live Well With Dementia course with them and we got some really good points from Alzheimer's Society about how we can really live well. And we had such a good laugh because you can laugh about what you've got. You have to laugh about it. What's the point of being miserable? When we decided to set up the steering group, we wanted to do it because two of the members had lost the mums with dementia and there was no support for them. So we decided that we'd make Longridge dementia friendly. People in Longridge are really friendly. So they're friendly to start with, but to make them dementia friendly would help even more so if they maybe came across somebody in the street that's looking a bit lost or somebody that doesn't know how to use a cash machine they're really struggling then to give them a bit more time to be a bit more patient and um, to understand that not everybody can do everything at top speed My daughter Joanne has been a really good support to me I don't know what I'd have done without it when my mum got diagnosed with dementia, I'd started getting more involved with the Alzheimer's Society. i decided on my own to go become a dementia friend, and then I went on to do it, become a dementia champion. And I know my dad struggled, and he had dementia. And there's loads of other people in Longridge with dementia. It should be friendly, for people living with dementia in Longridge,
3: and everywhere else. and if you want to donate to the Alzheimer's Society and support our cause a trip down memory lane all the links that you need are in the description fantastic cause and we can't wait to have that night at the end of the series when we try and reunite the champions of 2012-13 all the money raised on the night will go towards the Alzheimer's Society. If you want more details on them, check the links in the description. Well, it's part two, which means only one thing. It's probably the one thing which Bobby's been looking towards the door to see if you can make a quick exit at. It's time for the quiz. Now, Bobby, the manfred Match podcast has been going for about a, a, a season or so. Now, you were asking about it uh, during the break and trying to find out a little bit more about... Whatever it is we do I don't know what it is <laughs> uh, One thing which these guys hate Is the quiz segment And Make uh, it up as we go along Yeah we yeah, make it up right as we up go along <laughs> <laughs> Basically what we've got Is we've got uh, a quiz Which is called It's all about you So we've got ten questions All about your career Mainly from your time at There's a couple of curveballs From Barnsley thrown in there so as well I can answer For like good answer For good measure uh, This It's up against the clock The time will start After I've finished Asking the first question um,
5: My memory's not good <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> He's getting his excuses in early, isn't he? That's what we like to see. Um, you, get, you can pass, but that will add ten seconds to your time. An incorrect answer will add just five. So you might as well have a stab at it, even if you're, you're wrong, yeah. so obviously it's all about the time. The person with the most correct answers in the quickest time at the end of the season will get a trophy, because you're all going to be invited to our end, our end of series thing when we back at the One Core Stadium, Touchwood, um, so it be nice for, to get you back there. Um, Ian Bowling did it, including penalties, in 1 minute 39. Right, so there's the bar. You think you, do you think you can get there or not? No,
5: hopefully, I can't lose to him. <laughs> you,
3: you can't lose to him. Fighting talk already. already two episodes in and we've got a competition on our hands. Like you. A reminder that the time will start after I've asked the uh, first question. That's more for Simon's benefit because why we're entrusting him to do the timing, I don't know. Neither do I. Well, there you Uh, go. Bobby, are you ready to take a trip down memory lane? Yes. Okay. Bobby, whilst you were much loved for helping keep the goals out, you did score three. Who was the first against in October 1999, seven minutes after coming on as a substitute? Start the clock. Harley cool. You played your last game in the Blue in the 2004 playoff final, but which of your teammates was the only one to score during the shootout defeat? Uh, Neil McKenzie. In the 2001-2002 promotion winning season, the Stakes beat Huddersfield, and which other team by four goals to nil? Carlisle Under how many managers did you serve at the club? Five (laughs) Against which side did you make your debut? Chester You were one of several YTS graduates who made their break into the senior side But between yourself and Liam Lawrence, who made more senior appearances for the club? You or Liam? Me Did you say you or Liam? Yes, me, myself, yes Uh, Standing Tortured. Standing Tortured is an anagram of which of your former teammates and fellow defenders who made 34 appearances during the 2001-2002 promotion winning season. Standing Tortured. Adam Barrett. A testimonial was held for you in July 2015 at Oakwell as Barnsley welcomed the stakes in a pre-season friendly. What was the final score? (laughs)
4: 2-1.
3: For Barnsley, you once had to play in goal after who was sent off?
5: Uh, ben Elmwick.
3: Your final competitive a- appearance at the Field Mill saw the Stags lose 3-1 in the playoff semi-final. But who scored the Stags' goal to level the tie on aggregate? Mm. Wayne Corner. Stop the clock. How do you think you did?
4: Probably got three or four wrong, I think.
3: That's been
4: all right. Actually. Three,
3: four, five.
4: What do you reckon, Nate? I reckon it's done right, I reckon it's, I reckon it's beat Ian. You think?
3: I think you me have. answers on some of them. Oh. That's 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 the defender one's done me. The defender one's done <laughs> you, <laughs> Look, the really anagram well. the <laughs> one always will, because that's, yeah. I hate them. Yeah, Nathan hates them. I can tell you, Bobby, that you scored six correct answers in a time of 1 minute 29. Oh. Ian, however, got seven correct. But it all depends on, obviously, so obviously he's ahead of you, but if you've done it in a quicker time, who knows so let's add up these uh, these penalties then 5, 10, 15, 20 so that is 1 minute 49 seconds unfortunately it's a slower time yeah it than will be. Ian. <laughs> so let's run through those uh, those incorrect answers yeah. then uh, the team that you beat 4-0 was Macclesfield the team yeah. that could have been one of any that's the curveball no, isn't it <laughs> uh, horrible question that one uh, standing tortured was uh, Stuart Reddington that was a that was a hard one. When I, when I was writing that question, uh, I no, did I, forgot uh, I played with him. Yeah, I yeah, forgot about all about him. You'll remember him now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the testimonial full three Right. Uh, you scored the, the winning penalty uh, in front of the Stakes fans.
5: 4-3 um, <laughs> <one, four>, <laughs> Same thing. It was one goal in it. <laughs> That's all
3: it was. Uh, and the uh, player to score in the playoff semi-final. You said Wayne Cord, and it was Tom Curtis. Tom Curtis, who hardly got any goals, that did one he?
4: One
3: so. <laughs> One in a million, but uh, a comfortable I think that's a that's a relatively decent score, but yeah, that, you were wanting to beat Ian Bowling there, weren't you? What, what, uh, I mean, th- what did he get?
5: One thirty nine you said,
3: didn't you? Yeah, one thirty nine, yeah. seven correcting one thirty nine, so second the leaderboard, but you know, there's still plenty more. Uh, to go with that one, uh, including obviously Les Robinson, a former teammate of yours uh, as well. So uh, there'll be some in there. Did you ever play with Mickey Balding? Yes, I did.
5: you still see uh, Mickey, still speak to him regularly. Yeah. So Mickey will be next week's uh, okay, guest yes, on yeah. the show. Although <laughs> next tell week tell him he's beating me if he has.
3: We, well, <laughs> we won't be here at the Cathalans' next. week We're actually going round to to Mickey's house. So yeah. uh, anything we should sort of look out for? at, at Mickey's what's what's you know, bowling
5: like? The biggest house in Sheffield. But just look for the that? biggest house in Sheffield. Don't <laughs> need to sit down. No. It is the biggest house in Sheffield.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. What's your. We asked this question to uh, Ian Bolin last week and this is how we got the story about the uh, size 12 trainers we'll ask yeah, about yeah. that in a second 10 size 10 Size
5: ten. Say 12 <laughs> we'll,
3: we'll always go for that um, but obviously other than having the uh, biggest house in Sheffield what can you uh, tell us about your memories of uh, Mickey Bowling then is there anything we should sort of throw at him as a curveball which sort of, sort uh, of could bring up some entertaining stories the curveball friend.
5: <laughs> Try think now. He seems like a very sort of down to earth straight laced guy, Mickey. Yeah. He is, yes. Uh, obviously, came from his uh, tennis. He used to always eat a blueberry muffin after training. <laughs> Ask him that. <laughs> No, sorry, it was chocolate, double chocolate, actually, muffin. Yeah. Could I say okay. double? Yeah, it's we, always. We know what gift
4: to take, anyway. That's always, up, yeah. that's it.
5: Yeah. Always had a double chocolate muffin. remember what I used to, used to eat after every training session. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so well, you we, we
4: wouldn't be able to do that these days, either, a double chocolate muffin. That just, it's not quite what no. your sports scientists would say, really. do not recommend that. I know, I know they don't let us do that, anyway, so.
3: No, no. It's, it's an interesting one. I mean... You obviously came through sort of late 90s, early noughties, and then obviously finished your playing career a couple of seasons ago. Yeah. How did football change? Because I imagine Ian Bowling was talking about this last week. He was always talking about washing your own
5: kit, bringing your own meals, that sort of thing. How's football changed in that landscape? It's far more professional now. Uh, you're really given no excuses to anyone because they've got everything on a plate, where I think it's probably had a detrimental effect to uh, making footballers. Um, there's a lot of players, certainly the top academies, they will earn a lot more money uh, than players that have played 600 games. So if we get a player from Manchester City, for instance, that you're interested in signing, who's not kicked a ball with a first team, he may be on £20,000 already. That's See, scary, isn't it? You have no chance of getting them. They're out of our budget at a club like Barnsley. and Would you want to sign them? Probably not, because they don't have that hunger. Uh and that fight, is ultimately, don't need to. From a young age, they've, they've had a lot of money. Uh, no success, but success in their eyes. Uh, parents are very hard to deal with nowadays. Um, so they're always demanding, uh, always demanding extra 5K for little Johnny shoelaces? They're just very demanding, yeah. Uh, my parents, they wouldn't demand, though, that you get a clip around here if you didn't work hard. But now, they clip the coach around here if you don't play their kid. So it's, the, the generations have changed. Uh, it, it, I'd like to see it go back To cleaning their old boots Cleaning their old kit Even at our level it, Or Everything's done for it.
3: You were going to say Simon I was going to say Is it easier to sign Somebody from a lower league Than somebody
5: from Well yeah uh, our remember at Barnsley they, they, they recruit under 25 24 And usually from the lower leagues So they're hungry Lads you can develop Want to develop First and foremost And move on uh, you found they're easier, but certainly easier to coach and develop. And obviously, it makes money for the club getting them cheap, yeah. Develop them, selling them on. Uh, I've uh, it's wrong terminology, so I've no time for young, young modern pros. But a lot of them, I haven't got time for. Let's talk about
3: one young pro who was at Barnsley, who you will know very well, and who Stags fans will know very well. A certain Randy ones, or as we, as everyone else knows him, Danny Danny Rose. This is the anagram thing we always I always throw in. That was one of the, the funniest anagrams we had. What was Danny like as a kid? Because he comes across as one of the most genuine, down to earth, hard working strikers who just wants to succeed and score goals. What was what was he like to, to play with and when he was sort of developing at Barnsley? Fantastic attitude.
5: His generation, their youth team, is probably the best. At Barnes in the last probably 20 years, so John Stones and Jordan Clark, who's just got promoted at Accrington uh, and a couple of others that are playing League Two level. Uh, they just had good attitudes, which is again missing now. Uh, they had good mentors as well. I'm sure if you ask Danny. Uh, He would tell you about myself and other senior pros that we were very harsh on perhaps how we were treated. Uh, But then we'd give him an arm around his shoulder and then love him after. But during training, they knew they had to work hard join if we was in the gym everything they did had to be done properly otherwise if we'd be on them uh, you don't really get that pro anymore so the young lads get away with murder now but Danny Rose and his didn't get away with anything we wouldn't allow him to
3: and you obviously would have played him perhaps more in training than in a competitive match yeah, which was- meant you'd have probably often come up against him is he still like? diving
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is he still diving yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 still goes yeah. <laughs> yeah still has a cheeky one he's the best player I've seen dive even in training which used to really wind me up I've got to admit <laughs> as a defender yeah. uh, but he was great at getting penalties I did play quite a few competitive games with really. him so he was very good around the box getting your free kicks he was a great finisher and great in the air Surely uh, certainly should be a league one player uh, whether he was ever going to kick on and be in a, a championship still a young lad he's still made he's it tw- like 20, 24 eight. isn't he he's only 20, 20, 24, 20, 20, yeah, 23, 24.
3: Like he's still a young lad as well so lots uh, to
5: yeah, he's, a great, a, he's just a great kid uh, yeah. from Barnsley um, as I say there's another one I still speak to regularly on the phone uh, via text etc. Um Just a really good kid. Fantastic.
4: And make sure he doesn't leave? I mean, he's, a top, he's our top goal scorer and i the one I'd
5: want to be next season. Well, Flickr obviously took him from Barnsley. Uh, to Berry and yeah. did well, sold him. Uh, I'm not sure if he'll do the same kind of thing. The only
3: worrying thing yet is yet to score no, under <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's no, him. No. His dry spell a little well, bit. But not many players yeah. out yeah, so but, uh, Well, yeah. that's it. We've not, not got a home <laughs> winning room yet either. We'll no. talk about him a little bit more. And not, one, not one at home yet. Not one yeah, at home no. yet. No. Which is a concern which I'm sure we'll touch upon a little bit more in a little while. But I wanted to stay on that theme of the players at the club that you've played with and yeah, the yeah. you've, you've come through. Um, We've talked about one of the good. Let's talk about one of the other side of that coin because we were talking quite openly and quite honestly about the differences between youth team players in your day when they had to clean boots, they had to sort of work for it and find the way in, and then we talk about players who come in with the money, and it's no secret that Jacob Mellis, who was obviously at Barnsley for a while as well, went on with the million-pound move to Chelsea and sort of got that, that monetary side to it. What was he like in your eyes because I think he splits opinion yeah. very much in <coughs> Mansfield
5: well I think the foundational years of his career which would be from 16 to probably 22 he was left to probably rot at Chelsea which he'll openly admit uh, left it around devices
0: um,
5: so he, he missed a lot of football A lot of good grounding uh, While
3: still picking up A very heavy paycheck yeah, I can
5: imagine On his day Jacob could be A, a real real top player uh, Certainly in a championship He had some games Even at that level Against good, good teams Where he t- when he turned up it was as good as anything uh, Unfortunately for Jacob He just couldn't do it On a regular basis His diet was poor His fitness was poor When he was at Barnsley I'm not sure What he's like now I know he had a lot of problems Off the field as well At the time um, So, it's a real shame because he's a player that should be in the Championship, uh, lower ends of the Premier League, but his dedication is not there. It wasn't there when I played with him. Uh, It's obviously still not there because he's playing at League 2 level. It's a waste of talent, really.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's something we can all agree with and see. I mean, Nath, we saw him have his good days and show that class, which Bobby alluded to, but then you see the
4: three, four games where he just doesn't. Yeah, I think that's I've been the absolute most frustrating factor about him, and uh, that's exactly why he's probably split um, the Mansfield fans. You know, uh, of who, who rate him and who don't, because uh, they say when he comes, when he does show up on that on that day and on that, that game where he plays out of the skin, he's, he looks like an absolute really quality addition. But then it's no good, especially especially at our level when we might not have the players to fill in if he goes missing for five games, we, we need that position, because it's such a key position, where we need him that player to be on form each game, so um, I think that's the, bit, the, the most frustrating, frustrating bit, is the lack of consistency.
3: Now we'll save the best for last, Probably me and Simon <laughs> might have a fight in a little <laughs> minute. Um, Paul Digby, me and Simon, <laughs> let me just fill you in the history of this a little bit, me and Simon have often seen uh, differences in this to eye to no, we, we, we've not we've not same we say that for christmas our christmas special the podcast podcast well, it was christmas wasn't it wasn't my yeah, birthday well, no no it's
2: christmas
3: and we did a bit of a secret sense between us and uh, mr mercer here got me a, f- a framed picture of paul digby because i i rate him very very highly from the first minute that i saw him play he sort of played a sort of defensive midfield role just in front of the back four and got the nickname from me the oh, interceptor yeah. and played very well then started the season out and out centre mid and because he'd not really played there a lot before in that position in pre-season with that squad didn't really hit the ground running and therefore got a lot of flack from certain fans and, and then I've then seen him in reserve games play a more defensive role centre half right back where he seems to have flourished we've had arguments about it, about <laughs> his quality it Was say, arguments? I would. It was more like a disputes. Nathan's acted more like handbags, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, <laughs> <at> <laughs> like it, yeah. But obviously, you saw him as a youngster, and for to his background, because you said to us earlier he started off as a centre and midfielder, and then some fairly harsh injuries
5: sort of held back his development yeah it was uh, going to be the next big thing he was an ex-England youth international uh, he made his debut at Derby away which I played in I think he was uh, just turned 17 at the time had everything he was 6 foot 2 free 2 feet uh, he could get around the pitch get forward defend and you thought this was going to be a real top player then he was he virtually missed 2 seasons of injuries had 2 hip operations and unfortunately for him, he, just, he was not the same when he came back. Uh, his mobility seemed to have gone a little bit. And he's had to adjust his game, I think, because of that, and try and find a position that best suits him. Um, he's got great ability, uh, a fantastic guy, another great kid, wants to learn, probably the most eager lad I've seen in the last ten years that wants to learn, uh, to the fact that you could tell him anything as a senior player, and he'd go and do it uh, the next day so he was very naive when he was young so you could, you could have told him to do something he shouldn't do and he'd have gone and done it
3: Anyone ever try it? <laughs>
4: <laughs> He's got no, I, a don't,
5: I don't think so uh, He takes things to the extreme <laughs>
4: though.
5: I say <said> um, yes <laughs> he, he used to take things to the extreme on, on his professionalism because he'd had them injuries uh, I hope he goes on and reaches potential because um, he is a really good kid uh, I don't know where his best position is now though
3: I mean, I think we'd argue, wouldn't we? I mean, personally, I'd like to see him back in front of the back four and be the interceptor
5: or (laughs) go. No, no, no. No, no, I would also be
3: happy to see him either at right back or at centre half. I think he prefers a more. I think what what style
5: of play you're going to adapt would suit him. Paul won't be no good in a long ball team. I was surprised when Steve Evans bought him. He's not Steve Evans' kind of player. Uh, If you play through the midfield and get him on the ball, he'll be a playmaker. So, uh, again, it, it's how you uh, use him. Um, if I was his manager, he'd be, I'd play him sitting in the field, getting on the ball and making your team play.
3: Yeah, there's a job going at the one-course stadium, Bobby, if you want to. As long as you make him captain, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> I am
5: a so I'm good. playing with back.
3: No, I'm playing <laughs> just, to annoy, just to annoy you yeah. It's all good fun but It's nice to get an insight in, Into that And to sort of see What they were Because so I think From our point of view We we look at players And we judge them On how they perform But we don't know The backstory sometimes And mm. you know I think when, when a player like Jacob Mellis, for example, has been at that high level and had that sort of high pay packet, a lot of the time they might be sort of reserved to sort of play on that a little bit and that have that naiveness and that sticks with them. And then when you've got a player of your Danny Roses and your Paul Digbys who have been hard working from a kid and want to see that sign through, Nate, that must be... That must tick boxes and give you a little bit more confidence going into next season, knowing we've got players in there who have got the right attitude to try and succeed rather than the wrong one. Yeah,
4: I mean, like, like, especially, you know, the, like, like, say, with, with Danny Rose and Paul Didby, it's quite refreshing to hear, because um, a lot of times you look out on the pitch and you question what they're really here for. Are they here just for the money, or are they here to um, put on a shirt, do their job each week and, and, and put in a shift? So... You know, and I think as a football, especially as a Mansfield Town support, and, and you know, we're, we, you know, we're very passionate supporters, and, and you know, uh, so what, all we want to see is every player go out there and give all they can for the for the shirt. And I think a lot of years we haven't had that. So, you know, if you've got those sort of characters in the dressing room, they're the ones you want to keep hold of because, like, like I said about that the season when we went down, we still remember that as a positive season, as in the reasons that we, we fought for every game, and uh, that's why they got a standing ovation after every, you know, after most matches. So that's all you really want and uh, hopefully that passion could take us through with the addition of quality and with the good setup we've now got with a new training ground coming and with, with the Radfords in charge and you know with, you need that passion to then for everything else to fit into place I think
3: yeah we certainly do and we'll talk a little bit more about our ambitions for the season forthcoming and we'll talk about uh, a man who's played under the, the current manager knows his style perhaps didn't see eye to eye with him in terms of being in team selection but it's good to have that open, honest opinion but before we go down that route we always like to sort of you know, have an insight into the playing career and talk about funny stories and sort of memories, that sort of things. now, if you type Bobby Hassel into YouTube do you know what comes up, Bob? No idea. Goalkeeping masterclass. Right. Bobby Hassel, England's number one. We mentioned it in the quiz earlier on. You were playing for Barnsley. Yeah. Anwick gets
5: sent off. What happens? Why do, you, why do you end up going in goal? Talk us through it from your no, perspective. Well, the rationale behind that decision. I'd literally only been on five minutes uh, from being on the bench. Uh, John Stones, I think, it was his debut in scoring that game. So I came on it right back. John got cramped. Uh, goalkeeper got sent off So I just took the shirt off and, um, I played in goal as a kid Quite a lot Played a lot of cricket I was a So
3: Talk about that in a minute as well Yeah so <laughs> it was,
5: uh, Yeah I was confident And going, in And I didn't think It'd turn out Quite like it did um, Yeah It was a strange one Because the day before I'd obviously been told I wasn't wanted by the manager uh, which was Keith was Hill Key film, And we'd gone back to his Rochdale Which was his team And he Had to eat humble pie At the end Because basically What done in goal Won us the game On the day uh, And we had to go back In the dressing room And he had to say Well done Which I don't think He liked doing
3: Was Flitcroft his assistant At that
5: point Yeah he was Yeah, yeah.
3: Um, Obviously The goalkeeping thing wasn't it a clean sheet? There wasn't. It? it was. He faced a penalty. Didn't you?
5: No, I let two penalties in, uh, both same corner. Uh, but I don't know. say four, or five uh, yeah, shots, so, some decent ones as well. Yeah,
3: <laughs> some. Qu- I think there was one reaction save, sort of diving head straight at you. Sort of. Yeah, it was last, it away, last, last. I minute. think
5: last minute of the game. Yeah, uh, he looked offside, but he actually wasn't they just stuck. He gambled when he was there. He's edited it. I've gambled where it's going. And it just stuck straight in my hands. Were you tempted to knock on the manager's door after that and says, right, well, he's suspended for at least one game. Chuck, yeah. me now <laughs> playing that."
3: Were you tempted?
5: Well, I just tempted to knock on his door and ask him when I'm going to play more than anything. Uh, <laughs> whatever position. Fantastic. <laughs>
3: uh, I imagine... Have you ever watched that performance back
5: the goalkeeper performance back? I've seen that, uh, that clip um, on YouTube. Uh, by various people sending it, I think David Priest, who was at the club at the time, he, he's a journalist now. He tweeted it a bit ago and, uh, and tag, tagged is in it. Uh, well, he tagged someone else in it, so I'm on Twitter. Uh, so I've, I have seen it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: You ever look back and think, actually, that were a decent save. I should have maybe stuck gun down that room.
5: I uh, have a bit of banter with the young keepers when they're making i said so just come and watch this and this is how I need you to be and so have a bit of banter with them on that yeah.
3: fantastic and uh, obviously you played at the Stags with numerous keepers I yeah. can't list, list them all but Bobby Mims Ian Bowling Kev Pilkington yeah yeah who's, some really
5: who's, good top, top keepers whose uh, style
3: did you go on was it just I'm in now. I'm
4: just going to chuck myself
5: around. Yeah, that was it basically. Yeah, no <laughs> style. Sounds like Kevin Clark until the style, That. <laughs> I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Done, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Who
4: was the best shot stopper that you, you
3: played with then at
5: status. There was uh, uh, a number. Ian Bowling <laughs> was a good goalkeeper. I can remember. I can remember being a really good goalkeeper. Distribution wasn't great, but his actual handling and uh, commanding of the box and shot stopping was very good. A bit yeah. like Kev Pilkington.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, It's a modern day. They want them to be able to distribute with their feet now. Uh, yeah. That's one thing that's spoken messages in our academies. that concentrate more on the way to pass a ball. And I'd rather stop the ball going in the net still. So
3: That's the job, isn't it, fundamentally, yeah. at the end of the day. I always frustrates <coughs> me as a fan when you see a keeper try and deal with that four-step overs and try and... Be a world beater. You're a goalkeeper. Just get it in your hands and and get rid to start playing again. Yeah, yeah. You're the last line of defence at the end of the day. So Mm. you know it's 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 for you there. Now you mentioned cricket in that. Yeah. Um, Another YouTube clip of you. um, If if you do if you look hard enough, you will find it. um, (laughs) Is a testimonial
5: charity cricket game. Yes. Can you remember it? I can. Yeah. I am fifty something not out they were kind to me they're on the day Uh, I've got a good relationship with director of cricket there, Martin Markson who's a uh, a big Barnsley fan who's kind enough to bring over uh, the strong enough team as he could that were available it was a good day with some internationals playing it was good
3: it wasn't a half bad performance for you because that half century included if I'm right in thinking three consecutive
5: sixes yes um, I had a, when I was 14, 15 I could have chose either sport um, obviously chose football so I, perhaps could have had a career in cricket long term um, but obviously I chose football so I've always been decent at cricket so is my second favourite sport you like to keep your hand in every now and again and yeah you know. I've not played since that um I just don't get a time I'd love to be able to play in the summer uh, my, my friends in Barnes will try and get me to play but I'm just so busy uh, yeah. I find it hard to get there
3: I, quite, I reckon it'd be quite funny maybe a resurgence back into sport Bobby Assel back in as uh, <laughs> <laughs> number two batsman <laughs>
5: yeah yeah no I'll, I'll try I will try and get there one day yeah. who knows mm. it'd be
3: fantastic But I guess things like that I mean a lot of people say about you that you obviously do a lot with the community and doing fundraisers and yep. things like that. Why is it fundamental for you to get involved with that? Because let's let's be honest with this. We as a group of people on this podcast we'll have a list of people we want to get in, you were on that list and very high up that list as well. But there are a few people on the list who have sort of sent messages to or either been ignored or it's come back as we want to feel or things like that. Why is it important for you to give something back to the community? It's
5: common courtesy. It's a human being, um, and there's not many not many times you're going to be a role model for people as such. And I think you have a duty as a certainly a professional sportsman who's in the entertainment world as such and having a positive effect on people's lives uh, to not actually go into the communities and set that example. Because a lot of, lot of certainly young lads don't listen so much nowadays to the parents. They listen to the, the people they adore on telly, and sport is part of that. Mansfield Town players, Barnsley players, when I'm there, you know, you play a big part in the community, and they'll probably listen more to you than they probably will other people. So I think you have a duty as a human being to actually give something back.
3: Well, we certainly thank you very much for your time. We know you've travelled over here no problem. Uh, tonight as well. It's been a really insightful thing. Still a couple more uh, topics to talk about. If you have enjoyed the, the show so far this evening, all the links for the donations are in at the description, so make sure you click on that. We're raising money for the Alzheimer's Society. You do fantastic work with people who live with dementia. More on that coming very, very soon indeed, including that end-of-season night where we we'll reunite the champions of 2012-13. You stayed at Barnsley for 10 years. You yeah. had your test- Testimonial against the stakes, uh, of course. Um, Ever any opportunities to come back to Does
5: Any, any uh, crop up? No, no, not to come back. Uh, there was a time when Adam Murray was here, uh, when i probably coming into that 10th year, there w- may have been a chance. Uh, but the old chairman, who's obviously just died, Patrick Crine, asked me to stay that last year, which I honoured. Honoured his wish uh, to get the testimonial. I perhaps wouldn't have stayed now if I'd known how many games I would have played that year. Um, Flicker as the manager obviously didn't want me there really, if I'm being totally honest that last year. Uh, But was forced to keep me on, didn't use me enough and ultimately released a lot of good senior players that year. And it's the reason I think he he didn't do well and got sacked. And And we got got relegated because of that. I mean, we're fearful of that at the
3: minute because as we record this, we're recording this. Uh, on the Wednesday just after the season is finished and 8th place finished just outside the playoffs Retain this not yet out we are hoping it will be for tomorrow which you'll have already seen because this is going out in two weeks it's weird yeah.
2: but yeah. the point
3: that I'm trying to make is obviously we're a little bit apprehensive at the minute about what direction Flickcroft might go in yeah. talk to us in your honest opinion about how he is as a manager and your
5: experience as under him I think he's a good manager um, certainly has initial impact if you look at his history, he did at Barnsley. When he first took over at Barnsley, yeah, he didn't play me. We, we didn't have a great relationship when I was a player there. I've actually had a much better relationship with him now, um, which happens when you're a player, you want to play. He's a manager. See someone come to his end of his career, That the fans are wanting to be the manager. There's a bit of paranoia there, perception. It's probably false as well. So I understood all that. Um, but he had a, a great effect on the team when he took over. We were dead and buried. Uh, at Barnsley that year when Keith left Keith held, and he did a miraculous job to keep us up I think he made some fundamental errors the next year releasing some senior championship players um, and going down the lower league route and bringing in players which didn't backfired really he should have probably stayed looking back with some senior players um, but he, had a, he always has an initial impact I know it's strange I expect him to come here for I'm honest when he, I thought it was a great appointment and I still do when he took over, I thought he'd get him, uh, Mansfield over the line because he's been good. At, he did it at Berry. He did a good job. He was at Swindon before he left. He was and he ran around the playoffs. For some reason, it's not worked. Hopefully, he'll, he'll do the opposite to what he's done. He usually starts really well and fades. So, hopefully, he'll start poorly now and, and get him going.
3: Yeah, and, uh, and, and keep getting us up. I mean, it'd be fantastic to
5: see us up there. I mean, he's, he's an you- infectious character, he's a motivator. Uh, and he's, what, five, six, seven years into being a a manager now, so he'd have learnt a lot from a mistake, certainly how he dealt with senior pros like myself, Uh, not just him. Keith Phil, I don't think, are great at dealing with senior pros. To my experience, they may have gotten much better now because you desperately need senior pros in your dressing room and good pros, um, which I I think he'll have learnt a lot from his time at Barnsley. Uh, and he's been successful since in getting teams promoted
3: How much do you know about his assistant Ben Futcher?
5: I know Futcher really well I've done a few coaching bats best- with a funny guy very busy, I call him very busy When Good coaching he was the one who did all the talking you'd want him to show, really because he wanted to get away <laughs> so he's very inquisitive wanting to learn which is a good sign for a coach uh, played against him obviously in my younger days seems a really good guy don't know him greatly only from interaction at coaching courses uh, so yeah I'm, I'm hoping he gets his own team in next year because he won't want to play the way that uh, the old manager played certainly won't he preached the way to play uh, When he was at Barnsley Which was a passing a passing way Going through midfield and, Instead of long ball So I'm sure he'll be giving a fund To get the team promoted And I'm sure he knows he's got to start well next season
3: Yeah I think he would be feeling the pressure After not having a Home winning only having two wins, one of which being against the, the bottom of the league in, yeah. in Chesterfield. Chesterfield, that's the one thing I didn't ask you in, in the first part. I know you spent a majority of that season injured, the two thousand two two thousand three season. Yeah. Talking specifically about the two one win at Soltergate and um, the spitting incident between uh, Rhys Day and uh, Shane Bradley. Yeah. How much did you sort of get to know about that incident? And
5: uh, it was what, a strange one because they were good friends. Then I found that very strange. They were good friends. Uh, and then coming off, he was very frustrated with the way he left Mansfield. Uh, and I was, I was in the stand actually seeing him spit. Um, it was a strange incident.
3: Did you expect that from from him? His well,
5: uh, yeah, he was, he was a very strange guy. He could do anything on his day. He was a lovely guy, but at the same time, he could just do some silly things. He had a real, ga- real bad gambling problem when he was at Mansfield. Um, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I had a night out with him once, and we all—I ended up back at his, his his house, and his parents drove up from Southampton on the night. He must have rang him while I was there, saying he was going to do something silly. I remember back, but, mm. and they ended up just on the door, but he was fast asleep in bed. Uh, so yeah, he, he had a lot of problems back then. To be mm. fair, that fans don't see.
3: Yeah, I think that, that's true for a lot of players, isn't it? I think you see sort of the way they act on the pitch and don't sort of see the backstory to that. But is there any truth in the
5: rumour that? Reese Day wasn't entirely innocent uh, yeah, Reese was, was never innocent very clever <laughs> player his, uh, very clever player in terms of winding <coughs> the opposition up, which uh, again is missing today it's good gamesmanship uh, to put your opposition off and he was very good at that uh, great guy Reece. Uh, I remember when he broke his jaw at Bristol away uh, very early on and he carried on all through the game you could hear him screaming every time he headed the ball you will not get that now I, they'd be straight off they'd be straight off yeah. that so big a reason character. why you wanted to come back for his uh, testimonial absolutely yeah uh, that generation really good characters really good guys you'd do anything they'd do anything for you you'd do anything for them it's an unselfish generation where it's a very selfish generation now mm.
3: and then we went off a little bit on a tangent I'm sorry for that that's just that's me rambling but I just want to go back to Flickcroft for a second you two were listening to that Nathan and Simon and at listening to what Bobby had to say, very open, very honest, but also very courteous as well, which I think a lot of former footballers wouldn't be. We're bound to get some more on here, which are a little bit more down there. If I sorry, if I got stuck in a lift with him, i beat seven chains out I of mean, him, that sort of thing. But Nate, listening to that, we've spoken a lot on the podcast about what we've seen on the pitch and our worries and reservations, but. Everything that seems to come from the players who work under him all seems to be pointing in one direction, that he's a very good tactical manager, he's a very good trainer, good coaching sessions, good intensity, that sort of thing. What, yeah. does it, what do you feel, listen to a player who, all right, might not have had the best times as a player under him in terms of not getting game time, that sort of thing, but has still been open and honest enough to talk positively
4: about him as a coach? To be honest, um, I've, I've actually grown a bit in belief and I'll put my hands up now because I know... Especially towards the end of the podcast, you know, towards the end of the season, I, you know, I, I, I pretty much said I, I wouldn't want him here at the end of the season. But he came out after the, you know, the uh, the one-one draw with Crawley, and I think what he said was quite powerful. And you know, if what he said is true, um, obviously he has come into a d- difficult dressing room, so it's going to be. It's, it was obviously a difficult job to take. He's obviously under a lot of pressure <coughs> from where we were, and things haven't gone his way, but. He was very convincing of what he said and what he wanted to put <coughs> in the team and I think as a, as a Manchester Town supporter we've, we've grown the youth team for a while and now we keep saying it, it's time to start <clears throat> building that relationship and I also feel that if he can get across his style of play and his, his values... And if you can galvanise them,
5: that's, uh, I knew you were going to yeah, say that. To say it. <laughs> Did he use the
3: word galvanise when he was bonding? Is he still using that? Is he still using
5: that? He'd use that and special human beings. There was his other. I'm not that I don't know. Yeah, yeah. One next yeah. but no, I, you
4: know, I, I. I'm, 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 I've bought into what he's saying, and now, you know, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to seeing what he does do, and I'm ready to give him a chance now. So, you know, he has won me over, and my belief in him is growing. So let's hope it continues. Sorry.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of echo what Nathan's saying. To be honest, I mean, the other week we all wanted him out, but after Saturday's interview, it seems he knows what he needs to do to get us up there, and. If it rubs off on the players and yes. the players that he gets in want to play for mm-hmm. him, then, you know, it's going to be a good season for us. It's so let's just kind of stick with him for a little bit, see what he does.
4: It's interesting as well, um, a, a current, well, it may not be a current player at the club, but the time this goes out, because I don't know about the, re- the retain list, but, um, you know, when we went to the, when I went to the sponsor, She sponsored I don't know what to call it, but it's called, but the shirt sponsored luncheon. Luncheon, that's, that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we had the opportunity to speak to a few players then, and there's one player a little bit similar to uh, to Bobby, really, where you know, senior senior pro, and he's not really been in favour and he's not, not been included in any game we'll I'll, give you a clue it. he's got a fantastic beard it's, it's Paul Anderson yeah let's just say I'll put it out there um, you know so he, he's, he's very much echoing what, what Bobby said where he's not being in favour and he, and he, he really loved to be but he's not being in favour but he has also said in the same breath that he thinks he is the man for the job he thinks he's, you know, he's, he's a good manager to take Mansfield forward, forward so although He's frustrated in his own personal uh, situation. He does still think that he'll be a good manager. So I think that, that echoes exactly what Bobby's just been saying. Fingers crossed for
3: a good season next season. That's almost all we've got time for. But Bobby, whilst we've still got you here, obviously, still very much inv- involved at Oakville. And I think when you compare the two clubs, I think at Barnsley is what Mansfield sort of aspired to be a bit bigger crowd, but similar towns, similar styles. Is that why perhaps? You managed to stay at Oakville for so long because it was so similar to to, a Mansfield. Yeah,
5: it was an easy transition for me. Similar towns, as I say, similar people. um, Similar uh, 200,000 around the borough, uh, similar to Mansfield. Similar size, as I said. Mansfield, if they wanted to get in a championship, um, should copy the model of what Barnsley have done all these years. There's a great infrastructure at Barnsley. I've seen Mansfield starting to do it now with creating their own training ground uh, and doing various things around the stadium aligning now the the academy with the first team which is what we do Um, so it'd be great to see them copy the likes of Barnsley because again I think Mansfield should be a League 1 club established League 1 club with the ambition to get into the championship I think Barnsley have played the most games in the second division and any other club in the country uh, so if a town like Barnsley can do it I don't understand why Mansfield don't, don't, can't do that they've got a good backing out they've got money they good owners who's willing to put his money in there and as I said he's building an infrastructure hopefully he'll get the right people in that can take that forward
3: Fingers crossed that does happen Bobby it's been fantastic having you on here tonight just finally you. um, from yourself and um, Best memory of Mansfield Town FC. What, what do you look back on when we sort of messaged you and said, can you come on this podcast? What did you sort of look back on and think, do you know what? That's one of my highlights at
5: um, Mansfield. Getting promoted. Uh, Out on that pitch. Uh you know I know they said there was about 8,000 there that day but there was a lot more than that which was again Keith Haslam special really <laughs> um, <laughs> you know there was, pe- there was hundreds and hundreds just stood up I mean, you won't be allowed nowadays just stood around the pitch uh, all game because they had nowhere to sit with R- and white tape yeah Ritter, white tape uh, <laughs> t- 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 you know it was a great great year I just I had my first child and obviously met my me, me, me wife that, that year we got promoted so that year was a special moment for me uh, my best memory definitely but similar to Barnsley I got promoted with a lot of kids that had come through the academy at Barnsley uh, local lads and very similar to here we'd all come through together uh, there's, no, there's no better, no better uh, special memory than when you get promoted but with your youth team players it's a really special memory You can't, nobody can take away from you and what about the opposite Side of that is it the, the way way which you left the way in which I left yeah it was similar to Barnsley I didn't leave there on the right right way um, so yeah the way I left Bar- uh, the way I left Mansfield uh, was a was a big big regret not being able to say bye you want to as a player leave knowing you're leaving walking off a bit like uh, a lot of players do they know they're going to leave you, know, you last five minutes you walk off. A standing ovation, and you can say bye properly after the game.
3: Yeah, certainly. So, Bobby, it's been fantastic having you on here yeah, tonight. Thank you. thank you very much for coming. Nathan and, and Simon, um, some insightful stories there tonight, Nathan. Certainly, uh, it's had my eyes open to a few things.
4: Yeah, and uh, it was just really, really nice just to hear, you know, talk about that promotion season, because I think if I go back to when I started uh, watching the Stags, it was probably the year before where I could start you know, which I can remember. And that season I, I remember I was have been what age seven or so. I remember being on the pitch on, on my dad's thing. <laughs> but I remember being on that on that pitch and um, I think you know, ever since that day, I've, I've you know footballs. I've absolutely loved it for the massive part of my life. since all of us, and uh, you know, that being one of your greatest moments, it's certainly one of mine. And I think that that'll stay with me, and I'd probably say all of our supporters as well for the rest of our lives as well. So it's, just, it's really great to hear that. Now, that's for you, Nathan, as well. Obviously, Chris Greenacre was a big part oh, of
3: that. Uh, <laughs> that that side. Oh, sorry, Chris Greening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Do you remember him? <laughs> can, I, can I
4: can I say it again? Can I just plug it in there about, about the the English? And all that or no. Like, no, no, you can't. You do that every week. I'm not allowed.
3: <laughs> do you think we can uh, get him on the phone and uh, one day and uh, tell him that Nathan loved that Nathan? Of course you can. It. I'm sure <laughs> you. Yeah. Let him know the next time you talk to him. Yeah, yeah. Simon, what about you? What obviously some fantastic stories tonight?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's good to see from like last week from Ian Bowling to like kind of the next generation on because Ian saw Bobby coming to the youth team and things like that. And they like, they've got the next generation of stories sort of thing. So yeah, it really, it's really been good.
3: Fantastic. And if you've enjoyed it at home... All the links to the description are in the description for the Alzheimer 's Society if you want to donate to our cause. More details coming very very soon of that special night at the end uh, of this podcast series, the start of next season when we reunite the champions of 2012 thirteen all in the name of the uh, alzheimer 's society. My name's Craig Priest, thanks very much to Chris behind the, the camera who 's been doing all the audio and everything uh, to that tonight. Thanks very much to uh, Nathan to Simon. And to guide will put uh, down there as well, this has been a trip down memory lane. It's only fitting like, that the final word and the final message to the Stakes fans on
5: his memories of Mansfield Town FC go to this evening's guest, Bobby Hassel. No, thank you for having me uh, You know, I wish all the, the fans in the club all the, the best for the future. Hopefully they'll get promoted. And as I said earlier, be an established League One club. I, I will say get behind the manager. Um, I think they've got the right manager in. You know, he's a great motivator. I'm sure you'll build a promotion winning team next year, a team that the club and the town will be proud of.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery.
2: quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with quince go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365 day returns
0: this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans